0: a co-presentation of WNYC Studios and Night Vale Presents.
1: You are listening to the Orbiting Human Circus of the Air. Gone back in time, Coco has seen the janitor with his own eyes. And the janitor has spoken. I came to go to the ballroom at the top. There's no ballroom at the top of the Eiffel tower. Oh, there is. This was where we left off. But you do not know the truth about what happened next. Yes, the janitor told Coco a story. And it's time for you to know what happened when he did. Are you sitting down? If not, please do sit down. The janitor vanished. Yes, the janitor vanished but let's not scare ourselves. Yet, when Coco saw the janitor disappear, he sought an explanation. Allow us to also. A great philosopher once said, Who am I? How did I get here? This is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. The last two don't apply to the janitor, but the first part certainly does. I have no idea how I came to be at the Eiffel Tower. This is our first clue. He simply found himself here one night, able to recall nothing except for one childhood memory. And he whispered in my ear and he told me, I'm going to hypnotize all Paris. Yes, you remember that memory but at that time he had no idea who the man in the memory was and told him nothing of how he came to be at the tower however from that memory he did learn he had the childhood habit of pretending he had a narrator and an audience and in his loneliness he found himself playfully toying with it He hoped, in doing so, he might remember more. And it was fun. Hello. 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 Ah, hello. Hi. That was a dramatic reenactment. It's also our second clue. And yet we still have no idea how the janitor vanished. But do not worry. There is a much better clue. You'll remember, last episode, Mr. Chenard and Coco had a conversation in the ticket booth where Mr. Chenard made this fascinating claim. He is here. Yeah. No, no, he is always here. The janitor has never left the tower. Bye bye. Coco, do you have a cigarette? And at that moment, of course, the janitor was just outside the ticket booth listening in. Shh. The janitor felt that Mr. Chenard knew something. What? And then moments later, something happened that we have not shared. The ticket booth had filled up with smoke from Mr. (laughs) Chenard's cigarette to the point that both men had coughing fits. Mr. Chenard excused himself to finish his cigarette outside. He extinguished it quickly and could then be heard by the janitor pacing back and forth nearby. Okay, okay, okay. The night watchman, he, he swears the janitor's really not there. <gasps> I am the only one who's ever seen him. And, and, and it's true that, uh, that nothing ever seems to get clean. Yes, Mr. Chenard managed to quite spook himself with the fact that he was indeed the only one who'd ever seen the janitor. Chenard? Is it possible that... Oh, no, 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 Chenard! Get yourself together, little darling. (laughs) Pas de problème pour moi. Tout ça va, tout ça va. Oh, Chenard. Mr. Chenard convinced himself that there was something else going on. Something, worryingly, to do with the night watchman's age. Mr. Chenard then returned to the ticket booth, and saying goodnight to Coco gave every appearance of going home. Coco emerged, looking determined to find the janitor, and the janitor, who was feeling especially lonely, of course followed, as, at this time, shadowing the night watchman's pursuit of him was the janitor's loneliness cure. The two disappear into the tower. But what's this? A third set of footsteps. It's Mr. Channard. He stayed behind to find out what in the world is going on. Okay. Now we shall see. He hears something on the stairs, above. He creeps in, he takes the elevator, heading them off. He reaches the observation deck first. He ducks in the shadows, lying in wait. He hears something coming, and he watches as Coco wanders past, like a panther walking a tightrope. Janitor, looking like a young Jerry Lewis cast tragically to play ninja, follows close behind. And they are out of sight.
0: Oh, no, 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 no.
1: Mr. Chenard puts his hands over his face and removes them, revealing a face frozen in a silent scream. He cannot give it a voice. Only the vein visibly throbbing in his forehead might be in Morse code. He goes out into the night of Paris and keeps on walking in a giant circle, round and round, until, lost somewhere deep in the heart of the city, he feels at last he can speak. I'm going to lose my job. They're going to fire me. I've hired mutants. They said to me, Chenard, I have two good employees, and I, I hired two mutants. One who is older than father time, and the other who is like a baby new year, with some mop. And now, I'm changing both diapers. Why, Chenard? Why, 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 why do you do these things? Why do you do them? <sighs> calm down, calm down. You're going to have a stroke. Where's my book? with my book? Mr. Chenard stops and pulls a small, thumbed-through edition of poetry from his okay. breast pocket. He quickly finds the page he's looking for. Okay. Uh, the voices of the dogs in the door ring extend beyond us in time. We wander weightlessly. Wait! Mr. Chenard stops. It was the janitor's voice in the air directly above his left shoulder the voice was calming yet distant as if it were travelling to him from some great other he looks around he is alone spooked he breaks out in goose flesh the janitor said wait he commanded him to wait but what for Mr. Chenard steals himself. Clearly some sort of reckoning is about to occur. And we will learn what that reckoning is when we return in just a moment.
0: Become a friend of the Orbiting Human Circus on Patreon to get high-quality episode downloads so you can hear the show as it's truly meant to be heard, along with behind-the-scenes updates and more. Go to patreon.com slash orbitinghumancircus, that's patreon.com slash orbitinghumancircus, to join today. Check out our shop on tapatico.com, now featuring a new enamel pin, pillowcase, season 2 poster, and more. Go to orbitinghumancircus.com and click shop. That's orbitinghumancircus.com and click shop in the menu and it'll take you right there.
1: We last left Mr. Chenard in a state of terror by the banks of the Seine. And it's a shame... For had he not run out of the tower in frustration when he did, making a giant exasperated circle around the city of Paris, he would have witnessed the moment that Coco found the janitor, and, more importantly, the moment the janitor vanished. But he didn't, and is of very little use to us. So let's leave him and go back twenty minutes to the moment he missed. We find ourselves on the upper deck of the Eiffel Tower. The janitor has just disappeared, and Coco stands suddenly alone. He looks incredibly relaxed. I don't think he's ever been so relaxed. He looks fabulous. Now, he had felt the janitor had revealed himself because there was something the janitor had to tell. He'd heard of things like this in ghost stories, but... He'd preferred not to live one. And so he settles on the question, how did the janitor vanish? And interestingly, somewhere high above, the janitor was asking himself that very same question. We find the janitor having just arrived at his favorite hiding spot, out on the girders, up at the very top of the Eiffel Tower. Okay, Julian, what just happened... When Coco had asked the janitor a question, he'd begun telling him a story about a ballroom at the top of the Eiffel Tower. He had no idea what he was talking about. Had it been a memory? I would have been delighted. I mean, there's nothing in the world I want more than memories. If only it had been a memory. But this? I was just saying whatever came into my head yet those words had an extraordinary effect but what astonished the janitor was that he knew those words would have that extraordinary effect it wait a second it reminds him of something go yes that's it boy remember you can do it the janitor closes his eyes but he can't concentrate Somebody started yelling about something somewhere. He tries to ignore it, but he can't tune it out. He puts his hands over his ears, but it's too late. The feelings left him. At least the yelling stopped. It was impossible to block out. It was an angry voice, a growling voice. One might even say, the voice of a bully. Wait! The janitor's exclamation is heard as far as the Seine.
0: I remember something.
1: He closes his eyes. He sees images from his childhood, one after another. This is a memory. It's really a memory. And all because he spoke to Coco. It gives him the most incredible feeling. In his happiness, the janitor happens to glance down and notices a tiny form beside the Seine. He humors himself into thinking it's Mr. Channard. He looks so sad. And he wishes that Mr. Channard, too, could feel this happy feeling. Meanwhile, far below, Mr. Channard stares out at the Seine, afraid to turn around. He'd been seized by the feeling that there was something directly behind him. Suddenly, he hears the janitor's voice coming terrifyingly to him from some other distant plane. Whatever it is, Mr. Chenard, it's going to be okay. He swings wildly around, sees where his walk led him, and grasping the situation instantly slaps himself in the face. The night watchman is blind. The janitor is an infant. And you, Chanel, you are a crazy person. Meanwhile, on the tower, things from the janitor's childhood come flooding back to him, all of them leading up to one moment in a schoolyard that he does not understand. Mm. And the janitor stays this way, remembering his childhood all night. The next day, The janitor overheard something of great interest. He had been hiding on top of the ticket booth when Mr. Chenard made a special nocturnal visit to check on his prize employees. Mr. Chenard reaches the ticket booth and, finding Coco inside, lets himself in. You worry me, Coco. How is the night watching going? How is your your night vision? Uh, Can you read this? Yes. Uh, This...
0: Well...
1: No. It is too dim, the light. Uh, um, How about your earring? Can you hear me when I speak like this? Uh Uh-huh. How about like this? No, no, no. Okay, okay. Let's do a test. Tell me what you can hear. Right now, I can hear a clock tower and a a dog. Well, that's good. I'm glad you can hear it. (laughs) Okay. Coco did eventually find it in his heart to tell Mr. Chenard that he had found the janitor. And while eavesdropping, the janitor braced himself. Coco was about to tell Mr. Chenard that he disappeared. But... The janitor was surprised to find that this wasn't what he cared about. The janitor was waiting to hear what Coco thought of him. Yeah. Coco said the young man and the story he told were amazing. As soon as the janitor had begun speaking, Coco found himself giving in to a feeling of warmth and safety. So much so that it was almost shocking. Did any of it sound true? How did it strike you? Just imagining it. I'm feeling calmer. Coco shouldn't have been shocked, though. The fact is that this is the exact effect the janitor had been having on other people since he was a child.
0: You gonna cry? (laughs) He was a stage hypnotist. What?
1: When bullied, the janitor found that if he said something that made no sense whatsoever, and yet behaved as if it made perfect sense...
0: He was the stage hypnotist.
1: What? It would freeze his assailants like a magic spell. You see, nobody had mentioned the stage, or hypnosis, and so it takes their brains a moment to figure out, and during that moment, they freeze and if you continue feeding them information that makes them feel they are just moments away from understanding they will remain frozen and if that turns into a good story they will forget they are frozen and simply enjoy being frozen and simply enjoy how nice it is to be told a story he figured this out all by himself as a child and so When he performed this feat for Coco on the Eiffel Tower, the janitor was not surprised by the effect it had on the old man. And the thought of anyone exiting never entered a single person's head. They didn't want to go anywhere. They didn't want to move. They just wanted to stand right there in that spot.
0: And people are stunned.
1: But he just kept standing. As Coco became absorbed in the janitor's story... He just
0: couldn't leave.
1: He seemed to grow younger and happier. Until he looked not like someone asleep on his feet, but like someone who is so lost in thought that though they are looking at you, they do not see you.
0: It was impossible.
1: And Coco did not see him. And the bullies on the schoolyard, did not see him when he snuck away. Coco told Mr. Chenard that the janitor was some kind of wonderful magician. And it is thinking of this, that night in his cot, that the janitor falls asleep. And he has happy dreams of a sort he hasn't had for years. And he seems to grow younger and happier too. He dreams of a pet pigeon who will only eat when its owner sings. And he dreams its owner is a stagehand named Francois.
0: Come on over. Oh,
1: look who it is. It's Mr. Cracker Man. And
0: look what else I got. Come on, you gotta eat. Come on, please, little buddy. You
1: want me to sing for you? All right. Oh, it's my little soul.
0: You've been listening to the third episode of The Orbiting Human Circus and Naughty Till New Year's, How to Disappear, Acts 1 and 2. The conclusion of How to Disappear, Act 3, will be presented as a separate special episode next week, followed by our holiday episode a week after that. The Orbiting Human Circus is a co-production of WNYC Studios and Nightvale Presents. Music from The Orbiting Human Circus and Naughty Till New Year's is being released by Merge Records on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Bandcamp, and more. Listen today on your preferred digital music service provider. Episode 3 featured John Cameron Mitchell, Drew Callender, Susanna Flood, David Barlow, Walter Lowry, and Julian Coster. It was written and directed by Julian Coster and further workshopped with the cast and crew of the Orbiting Human Circus and produced by Christy Gressman, with musical composition and arrangement by Thomas Hughes and music by the music tapes. Lead editor Grant Stewart and editors Janelle Yi, Emily Marinoff, and Jeff Tobias with Julian. Sound design by Jonathan Siri-Mose, foley by John Ringoffer and lathe cutting by Steve Espinola. Engineering by Vincent Cachione, and additional production and mixing by Will Stanton. For more information and full credits, go to orbitinghumancircus.com.